Okay, in this episode today, I had the opportunity to speak with John Harrington, who is the CEO of Funds for Learning. Funds for Learning is a professional firm specializing in the federal E-rate funding program. Their mission is to provide high quality consulting and support services for the needs of E-rate program participants, including preparing and submitting paperwork and helping clients understand, uh, school districts understand and maintain compliance with the various E-rate rules and regulations. Now, the Funds for Learning has been doing this since 1997. I believe the E-rate program had just started the year before, but never before, I think, has John been so busy <laughs> uh, between just the realities of the pandemic last year and the recent news of the uh, public notice, the FCC issuing a public notice seeking comment on the 7.1B with a billion dollars uh, that is being offered for schools to get wired and to bring this digital equity situation uh, into some sort of reality. Um, I know John and his team have been going full bore. So really glad to have the opportunity to sneak a few questions into him uh, after weeks of working with the government on what they're going to do uh, when. Uh, these funds start to go out and the E-rate again begins to um, to function. So um, here's that conversation. Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of EdTech Today. My name is Kevin Hogan. I'm glad you found us. With me today, a uh, very special guest, John, thank you for, for joining me here today. Kevin, it's great to be with you. Always appreciate you and the work that you do. Uh, it's uh, always a pleasure. Well, as I was mentioning before we started recording, uh, you were one of the first interviews I did when uh, the reality of the pandemic, uh, what I call DP, uh, uh, during pandemic began, right? I had BP before the pandemic. We're still in DP uh, and hopefully and it's looking better and better that we can talk about after pandemic, which is what I wanna focus on. Uh, but specifically, I think we, we need to, to talk about the news of not only last week with the, the draft legislation, uh, talk about your recommendations for that uh, funding, uh, and where, what kind of, what, what is the state of play right now when it comes to all the talk about the monies going to actually maybe finally solve the digital equity conundrum? Yeah, that is, uh, boy, that is a great word, conundrum. You know, when you look at this, this situation, uh, that, that's probably about the, the cleanest word you could use, you know, to sort of really describe just how convoluted and challenging it's all been. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned, I remember you and I talking back there at the beginning days of the pandemic and, you know, just sort of trying to get oriented. What, what's going on? What do we need to do? How do we triage this? And I think that's just like a microcosm of what we've seen you know, across the, the industry, you, you'd look obviously at the schools and libraries scrambling to kind of take care of their patrons and keep kids connected. And then on the, the vendor side of the, the equation, you know, trying to manage their own businesses, uh, you know, keep their workforces intact and, and just sort of, you know, just keep the lights on. Yeah. And then still try to take care of customers, try to figure out, okay, well, what, what, what do they need? And, you know, there were so many challenges with supply chain channels, you know, uh, challenges, for example, Hey, 
hey, we need to get laptops. We can't get laptops. I mean, there's so many stories of people calling and driving, flying, you know, like all these things, just trying to make sense of it all and find our way through this fog. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very encouraged like you that although we're not out of it, it's number one, I think we all have a better sense of kind of the rules of the game and where we're at. And then it, it does feel a little bit like the fog's beginning to lift and you can kind of see the sun coming through a little bit more and it's very encouraging. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly, it's, it, it's such a roller coaster. You know, you, you go back and forth between, going back to last spring just incredible tales of just genuine heroism on the part of school districts to get kids that access getting in their cars with hot spots and driving tech to people's homes uh and to be to be fair on the on the industry side as well i mean everyone that the telcos stepped up uh, the, 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 the cable providers, the, the curriculum providers. I mean, a lot of the executives I spoke to on the industry side said we became customer service companies. We weren't ed tech companies anymore. We were just trying to respond to the, the needs, the, these terrible needs. But then at the same time, the kind of the esoteric essence of internet access for all, digital equity that we've talked about for years. We go to conferences and say, how are we gonna solve this? And it's kind of this theoretical thing it became the stark reality, right? I mean, 3 million students, I think still have not yet kind of reconnected with their districts. Um, where, where are you on that path? I mean, when you look at um, your current work, I mean, are we at a place where those theories can become realities? And is it sooner rather than, than later? And all it took was a global pandemic? Yeah, it's like uh, you know, uh, that's all I got done years ago. No, uh, uh, unfortunately, no. Uh, yeah. You know, when I look back in the past year, I see really kind of two pillars. One, of course, the healthcare aspect of all of this, the, the doctors, the nurses, the, uh, the pharmaceutical companies back. You know, there's there's this health uh, pillar of all this. The other big pillar is internet connectivity and schools. I mean, how much of this has been about keeping people connected and the realization that not everyone has a connection. And, you know, you said it, we've talked about this for years, you know, uh, you and I've had discussions about it. You, you know, I mean, this is not a new issue, but all of a sudden it became clear evident to everyone or most everyone that wow not everybody has an internet connection not every not every student not every family can just get online and i hate the way we got there yeah well joking aside you know i mean it's 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 a horrible thing that got us to that point i'm grateful though that now there is that awareness you know when I, when i can talk to my 90 year old grandmother about bandwidth right? Like internet bandwidth, like over zoom, you're talking right. to her over zoom about it. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, like we need to up our bandwidth, you know, like that is not a conversation that I was having two or three years ago. Yeah. And, and she gets the concept. Yeah. Totally gets it. Like understands like, Oh, yeah. you know, you've got to have this connection and you have to have enough of it. Yes. And, and uh, so all of a sudden now it's shifted the whole, the whole framework, the whole 
the whole discussion, uh, we're, we're no longer now having to make the case, hey, people need to be connected. Uh, we've, we've had this horrible test case to show what happens when individuals don't have an internet connection, when they don't have a laptop computer. And so we, you know, we now find ourselves in a situation where it's reframed all the discussions, it's reframed all the debates. And I think that we are at a position now where there's a lot of positive things that we can build on from this point in time as it relates to uh, the you know, connections. Uh, you, know, you, you talked about the vendor community. First of all, I just I've never been more proud to be a part of the ed tech community in general. Uh, obviously, clearly on the school side, all the heroics to get connected. And then on the vendor side, you know, there's so many stories and a lot of untold stories about the work that was done saying, hey, we'll just make this. We're just going to take care of this. Don't worry about this. We'll, 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 we'll work it out later. Let's just make sure your, your kids are connected, you know, and it's, it, it brings out the best of folks. And I saw so much of that the past year. And I think it's helped also redefine a bit of the relationship you know, within the community, between the schools, between the libraries and the vendors. I think that there is a, a deeper appreciation for the needs and uh, of all parties and sort of what every party brings to the table. And I'm, I'm encouraged as much by that as I am just that awareness. I feel like there's better awareness and now we're, we're operating from a different place, a different understanding. Yeah. Now, there's also a lot of confusion, right? I mean, because not only in the education space, but the, you know, the amount of promises of funding and the actual funding of different uh, <clears throat> initiatives. It seems that education, because of the E-rate vehicle that's currently in place, there might actually be a more efficient process than, say, in some of the other uh, programs that are being talked about and, and initiatives. So that's what... The, 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 the draft that was out there and that, that you've been involved in, right? Can you talk a little bit about that and what your, your recommendations have been to, to, I don't know, you don't have to reinvent it, right? But you just have to spruce it up. I mean, what, how, how do you define that? Yeah, the, the fascinating, I'm gonna answer your question directly here in a second, but I think it illustrates a, a bigger theme here. And that is building on the past and building sort of uh, on the foundations that have been laid for us. The, the schools that have for the past five or six years, actually in large part because of the reform of the E-rate program back in 2015, were out there, they were building their, their wireless networks on campus and they were deploying a, a much more technology that, than they ever had before. That is what laid the foundation for the shift to remote learning. Uh, it wasn't perfect. There were a lot of kids that fell on through the gaps and didn't have connections. But how many did actually were, were almost able to seamlessly sort of shift to remote working, uh, remote learning uh, was was amazing. And that's because of all this work that had taken place. If, if this had happened in 2010, I don't I, I you just you wouldn't have seen the the, the successes that you saw in this pandemic and education, you would not have seen in 2010. The right. schools weren't ready for it, the, the, the websites, the cloud-based services, the laptops, the infrastructure wasn't there to support it. And so it, it was remarkable for me to see how much foundation was there that we were able to build on. So and that's just, I, there's countless examples of that. Yeah. 
from the regulatory standpoint and from the federal government providing support for internet connections to schools, to libraries, the same concept applies. You know, we've got this program now that has been built over the past 24, almost 25 years. The, uh, it, it's had its heartaches, it's had its you know, sort of rough patches. Uh, the E-rate application process is stronger than it's ever been. And that really then lays a groundwork, a foundation for additional support for schools and libraries. Uh, you know, to, if, if, if this system's working and it's working well, and we know that not just by our own experience, but by the data we've collected, uh, each year Funds for Learning conducts an annual survey of applicants. Uh, we're right now in the middle of conducting our 11th annual survey, uh, but in our survey last year, our 10th survey, um, uh, about 89, 90% of the applicants you know, said that the, that the E-rate program was serving their needs well. Uh, that is a far cry from where it was five or six years ago. So there's this, there's this healthy program that's functioning well, that is poised to provide additional support to, to the schools and libraries as they continue to uh, meet the challenge of connecting their students and bridging the digital divide in their communities. So, uh, so there's been a lot of discussion. How can we leverage the ERIT program? How can we take what's already there and, and use it for good to further these efforts? And that, that's really what we spent about the last year talking about. Okay. So, uh, and which ultimately resulted in the uh, American Rescue Act uh, that was passed by Congress earlier this year. And then just this week, uh, the Federal Communications Commission released its uh, proposed or its actual emergency connectivity fund rules that leverage the E-rate program to help the schools and libraries. So it's a, it's very much this theme of building on the on the successes of the past to leverage them for success in the future. Let's talk a little bit about uh, implementation. So I mean, E-rate goes back to to Al Gore, right, 1996, and the idea of getting hardwires uh, at all into schools at all. Um, and from my experience, BP, before the pandemic, the use of E-rate was still kind of in that traditional construct of getting as big a pipe as possible into as many buildings as possible. Um, then we had this greatest beta test in remote learning uh, ed tech history. Uh, and now that landscape looks a little different, right, for where the pipes are going, because now you're talking about having to take that big pipe and spread it out across an entire community. Do you think that is going to change the way in which those E-rate funds are used or, and also from the industry side, the way the products and services are going to be sold and, 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 and given to school districts? I think that a couple of things have happened. The, uh, there have been a couple surprises to me in all of this, setting aside the big surprises, you know, but sort of the things I thought I knew uh, about education technology and internet connections and so on. Uh, one surprise was I'd always thought about the homework gap in terms of students and really hadn't considered the teacher aspect of it. And, you know, the, the teachers are not immune. And, you know, for a lot of school districts, that was, uh, a big part of their challenge too it wasn't just get the students connected they got to get the teachers connected right that was just kind of an interesting surprise another one which is very counterintuitive 
is the amount of bandwidth that's needed to the school buildings themselves, the school districts. Mm. And uh, on one hand, you might think, well, if the kids are and the kids and the teachers are at home, can't you just dial down the internet at the school buildings? And the reality is just the opposite because of those networks and a lot of times the way they're configured and the various resources, uh, the, the information sharing, the data files are going back through that school's network. So in many cases, we saw not just uh, not a decline, but actually an increase in the amount of bandwidth that was needed uh, to, to, for more two-way communication, uh, more video conferencing, all of this activity. You know, we are living in a digital age and this just uh, amped up all of the digital activity. So for the schools, uh, even though in some cases they had sort of a skeleton crew, crew at the school building itself, they found themselves maybe having to up, uh, enhance or upgrade their, their internet access. That's not going to go back, you know? And so that's uh, what I see as we pivot towards the future is the, the, the amount of internet connectivity that's needed on campus is just going to increase. And then off campus, it's going to increase. And it's really about that ubiquitous connection. And the, the schools in particular find themselves in this situation where, you know, they, they're, they're handing out a textbook, you know, but it's a digital textbook. And this thing has to work wherever a student is at. And you, you can't give a textbook to some students that stops working when they leave or when they're off campus. So like it or not, the schools are very much in the middle of this, this need. And I don't expect that to go away. So I think the, the vendors, uh, the, the service provider community has recognized that uh, some more than others. I think though that that is the direction that it is headed. Uh, you know, there was this whole ecosystem before of publishers, you know, in the, in the, in the books. And I don't even know how that all worked, you know, but I know it existed. And I, I, I feel like the, there's a shift going on right now. And what we're seeing is this new ecosystem that's, that's forming, that's developing to support the schools as they support their students. Uh, and it's going to be about a holistic sort of support. When you, you've got to make sure that student can connect and, and they're going to continue, even if, even when they are in in person on campus, uh, when they go home, they need to stay connected and all of that's just going to increase. So it's going to be much more about uh, as a service, perhaps even like, hey, we can just make sure your kids are connected. You know, yeah. uh, I think there's just going to be those sorts of shifts because the school's mission is education. Uh, and, but in the same way that they have school buses. Uh, you know, they've got to take care of that one way or the other. And and now connectivity uh, is, is going to be that same sort of category. And it's not just connectivity from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. It's really uh, giving the students the resources that they need so that they can stay connected, do their homework whenever, wherever, pandemic or no pandemic. Does this essentially turn school districts into Internet service providers? Uh, it means that schools are going to be very, uh, they're going to be partnering a lot with their internet service providers. You know, I mean, it's, they, they don't, I don't know any that really truly want to be in that business per se, Yeah. but, it, but it means they are still sort of accountable for it because, uh, you know, if you think about it, a school district certifies 
that they're going to provide equal resources, equal opportunities to students. And, and if the digital environment is, is such a big part of that, which it is, and it's just going to continue to be, then in essence, it's the school's mandate. It's the school's responsibility to make sure that happens. And they're going to do that. They've been doing it. And I think it's just going to pivot from a emergency footing to more of a uh, something that is more sustainable, uh, more predictable, uh, not quite as stressful, hopefully, <laughs> but <laughs> but really, uh, and and for the vendor community, I think they have to recognize that this shift has taken place also. And you know that's some of the weakness with programs, for example, that are consumer focused. So there are programs like the Emergency Broadband Benefit Program, EBB, that exists. It's there to provide discounts uh, on internet access to consumers. Fantastic. It's good. Uh, the challenge with that, though, is from a, a school's perspective, they can't, they can't call mom and dad and say, hey, uh, you've got to sign up for this and get internet connections at home. They can encourage them to do that. But at the end of the day, it's really the school's responsibility to make sure that student can be connected. And for that reason, I think the schools are going to be, it's, it's, a, it's a central part of their mission now to keep students connected. The E-rate, when it was originally formed, saw that vision. It just painted it more narrowly because of really where the technology was at. You know, right. we didn't have kids doing online homework to this extent in 1997. Uh, it's a very different world now. 2017, uh, we didn't either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, so, but now it, it is, and I don't even like the term remote learning. I just think it's learning. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be in my office today, you know, worked from home a lot the last year. Yeah. Uh, in the before pandemic times, traveled quite a bit, you know, yep. uh, you know, you and I have had meetings, conversations all over the country. Uh, I wasn't remote working. I was just working, you know, like, I mean, like, and, and I think if I could do anything, I really just even want to scratch the phrase remote and just like, Hey, it's about learning. What do you need to learn? You need to, you need an internet connection. You need a device. You need, you need to be able to access a teacher. Sometimes that's going to be in person. Yeah. Sometimes it's, you know, via zoom, but like, it's just learning, like it's just working. And I think over time, I believe that, that distinction will just fade sure. and from the student's perspective it really has already they don't think of it as nearly as much uh they don't worry about property lines no my my three beta testers here at home uh well my oldest came back from college and didn't miss a beat i mean they already had those sort of dynamics set up where you could zoom in the classrooms and things like that uh, the, the two youngers are obviously were adjustments and they hated a lot of it um, but I think in small doses, the synchronous Zoom type communications is going to be nothing but a benefit for them. If you have a last minute question or something, no one's saying eight hours a day on Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for the, for the record. No. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, we like the in-person thing, uh, but I like that. I like the, I won't say it again. Um, no more, no more remote learning. Always yeah. on learning, maybe. Learning. We're, yeah. we're talking about learning. What and I know the, the toughest part of this conversation was going to be to end it because there's so much more that we could go into. And I hope I can uh, bother you as we go along here and track what this progress is. But let me finish up by asking you um, kind of a best case scenario um, 
speculation. You know, we, we could go worst case, but let's go best case. Um, funding goes through. What, what's your time horizon for these implementations uh, to start to take effect? I think that the funds will begin flowing uh, early next fall. So September, October, uh, we know that there is at least about $7 million available. And because they are going to leverage the E-rate infrastructure, they're going to be able to turn it around a year faster than if they had to go out and build a system and create the forms, it's all there. And I really commend the leadership in, in uh, Washington, DC, specifically Acting Chairwoman Jessica Rosenworcel, the FCC Acting Chair. Uh, this is a, uh, you know, Washington is not known for sort of speedy things. Right. And, and in, in regulatory timeframes, I mean, this is the blink of an eye. If you can turn money around that amount of money in such a relatively short amount of time. And so, yeah, I think that uh, schools and libraries are, are going to begin planning right now. I know they are. Uh, for those projects. And we expect that there will be funds flowing uh, as early as September to, to schools and libraries to support these projects. So it's really, uh, it's a it's a success story. It's a win, uh, you know, in the midst of a lot of losses, this is a real win. Yeah. Well, let's leave it there. Let's leave it up at, at the top. That's, that, that's great news. Uh, sounds like everyone's going to have a, a busy summer but uh, for all the right reasons, instead of uh, the reasons from last summer in order to survive, now's the time that you really can really go and uh, take the great advantage of this you know, terrible, uh, terrible time. So John, once again, thank you so much for your time and your insights. I will be bothering you uh, as we go along to get updates and uh, look forward to seeing you in person when, the, when we get back to uh, the BP. <laughs> Absolutely, it's always a pleasure, Kevin, thank you. Thanks again. And thanks everyone for watching. Uh, please be sure to click around and find another episode soon.